there's something that, that I want to start out today by asking you a question. And, and as I start out by asking you a question today, um, I think it's something that we really all have in common. And, and the question that I want to ask you, uh, from time to time, all of us have asked this question. And the question is, why don't God do something about that? Why don't God do something about that? And the that we all can immediately come and think about what that that is. I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to just lift your hand if you uh, have ever uh, asked that question, why, does God, wasn't, why doesn't God do something about that, or you've heard someone ask that question. You just lift your hand if you, you've asked that question before. And uh, Keep your hands lifted. Now, I want you to just look around, and you see how most of the people in here have asked that question or heard that question asked. The, the, the people that don't have their hand raised misunderstood the question. <laughs> Why don't God do something about that? Why don't God do something about my classmate? Why don't God do something about that woman or that man or that relationship? Why don't God do something uh, about my financial condition? Why don't God do something about this symptoms that I've been dealing with over and over and over again? Why don't God do something about that? And so we're going to take a look at that because, you know, I, God, Jesus, um, he does this in a very amazing way. What he does is he, cre he doesn't answer the question, but what he does is he creates a drama around the that so that we can understand when we ask the question, why didn't God do something about that, that we can understand why God didn't do something about that. In John chapter 11, we'll start it by looking at John chapter 11 and verse 1. John chapter 11, verse 1. And let's take a look at this right now because... And what I want you to do is I want you to act like you've never heard this story before. Because, see, we know the end of this story. We know how this story kind of plays out. But this morning, I want you to act like you've never heard this story before. And, 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 and what we're going to do is we're going to read this story for the first time in our lives. And so it goes something like this. It says that now a man named Lazarus was sick. And he was, found, he was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and his sister Martha. And then what happens is that John gives us a descriptive. And because he wants us to understand who uh, this woman, uh, uh, Mary, that he's talking about is. And so in the second verse, he says, This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So, so this story had gone out throughout the land of this woman who took this costly perfume and she began to uh, pour it on Jesus and began to worship him. And so people knew about this story. And so as John is writing the story, it's very significant that he tells us who this Mary is because as he's writing the story, John wants us to know that this Mary is one who was a follower of Jesus, who was a worshiper of Jesus, 
And she is the one that you've heard so much about. He wants us to know that. Now, another thing that he tells us here is, so the sisters, Mary and Martha, sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. The one you love is sick. Wouldn't you love to be referred to as the one Jesus loved? I mean, they don't, they don't send a name. Uh, they don't try to help him to remember all the people that he's ever met. They simply say, Jesus, the one you love, is sick. And Jesus knows exactly who they're talking about. So as they sent this message, Jesus has healed a lot of people. He's healed strangers. He's healed the blind. He's healed the lame. And so they're fully confident that Jesus will come and also Jesus can do something about their brother. Now, notice this. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory. Wait a minute. How can this bad situation be for God's glory. How can the sickness of someone Jesus loves be for God's glory? And then what John does is that John gives us the purpose of why Jesus said this. And he says, so that, and the so that is a purpose statement And he says, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Okay, so now we see Jesus. This thing is really all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you being glorified. It's really not about the one you love. It's all about you. Is that what this thing is? What's interesting to me is that John writes it, and he writes it in a very profound and a very powerful way, because in the next verse, John says something, and John says something because he says, I've got to tell you this, because if I don't tell you this, the things that are going to happen after this, you'll think that God doesn't care, that God's got something against them, but so you'll understand this story, I want you to know Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Jesus loved them. He loved them. Now, John is telling us this because as we look at this story and as we read going forward, then it's really important because when we see this next verse, what we see here is it says, So when he heard that Lazarus was sick... He stayed where he was two more days. Wait a minute. He loved him, but when he heard he was sick, he didn't go and take care of him. And so this kind of uh, messes up uh, the psychology behind this because John has already told us that Jesus loved Martha Mary and Lazarus. He's already told us that. 
And, 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 and so because he loved them, then we don't understand why would he wait two days if he's sick to death. But notice this next verse. And then he said to his disciples, after two days, he said to his side disciples, let's go, let, let's go back to Judea. Now, Judea is where Bethany was. So he tells his disciples, disciples, after two days, let's go to Judea. And his disciples says these words to him. He says, wait a minute, Jesus, I don't think you understand. But Jesus, the last time we were in Judea, they, they said that the Jews were there and they tried to stone you. And yet you want to go back to the place where they were trying to stone you? In other words, they're saying, wait a minute, Jesus, you may not remember, but we remember. We remember the last time we were there that they didn't really like you there and they tried to stone you. And, and, and get this, Jesus, because it's important that you see this because when they miss you and we're with you, those stones may hit us. So, so Jesus, I'm not sure that I want to go back to Bethany. Because of the experience that we had the last time that we were there. Notice this next verse. It says, Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. And then he says, it is when a person walks at night that they stumble for they have no light. And so why is Jesus telling uh, them this? He is really talking about opportunity. And he's saying, boys, there is an opportunity that's waiting for you that you don't want to miss. Because there's coming a time when I am not going to be here and you're going to need this experience because it's going to seem like you're walking in the darkness. It's going to seem like that you're having some challenges and difficulties. But you are going to need a candle from this experience to remember what I have done. And so if you stay here, you won't have that experience. But if you get up and if you go to Judea with me, then it's, you're going to experience something that's going to give you hope forever and ever and ever, no matter what you faced You'll remember the opportunity that you had and the experience of what God has done. And so, and so the Bible says that after he told them that, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus was, has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. And his disciples are somewhat relieved because maybe they don't have to go, but, 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 but notice what they said. Lord, if he sleep, he will get better. Now, they don't really care about Lazarus. They just don't want to go to Judea. And so Jesus now breaks it down to them, and he says, the Bible says Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Now they understood what he was saying. And, and, and they're like, well, 
Jesus, you knew that? You knew he was there? You knew he was about to die? And you, yet you stayed here for two more days? Notice what Jesus tells them. He says, and for your sake, I am glad I was not there. No, Jesus says, no, I'm glad I was not there so that, another purpose statement, so that you may what? So that you may what? Let us go to him so that you might believe. Now, so Jesus and his boys, they began to go to Judea, Bethany, where, where uh, Lazarus is. And when they get near the town, they heard that he was coming. And can you imagine this now? Lazarus is dead. And, 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 and Mary and Martha, can't you see them saying, you know, uh, Jesus, uh, Lazarus, we've sent for Jesus. Before he, he dies, just hang on in there. He's coming. We sent for him, just hang in there. He's coming. You know what he's done in his past. So all we have to do is just wait until he get here. But now he's dying. He's dead. And Jesus comes to the town. Notice what this says. Now, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Wait a minute. The Mary that worshipped him? Let me ask you this. Why do you think Mary stayed home? Talk to me. She was mad at Jesus. He said, Jesus, I, I, I don't care about him coming now. Because Lazarus, my brother, who he loved, is already dead. And so I, I don't care. You can go, Martha, but I'm staying home. Because she's mad at him. Isn't it amazing that when we're in the waiting room and our circumstances and situations change, that it affects what we feel about God? She says, I'm not going. When Martha gets to Jesus, notice what she says. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. In other words, it's your fault that you didn't do anything about it. It's your fault that you did not come when we sent word for you. You've delayed for days. Keep in mind that there's only a two-mile difference between where Jesus was and where they were. But yet he didn't go immediately. And she says that, you know what, if you would have come and, 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 and immediately when we sent the word, my brother would not have died. And notice what Jesus says to her. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And the Bible says that Jesus is giving her some uh, theological uh, uh, comments. And, th and this is kind of where, you know, 
whoever lives in him will never die. It's just kind of when, 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 when people say when you've lost someone in your life, well, he's in a better place. It's kind of like that conversation that Jesus is giving her. Because he, he says that whoever lives by believing in me will never die. You, do you believe this? And so she gives him, yeah, I believe you're the son of God, the Messiah who has been sent. So she gives him another theological. And they're going back and forth. And then the Bible says that Mary got, Martha got up and she went back home and she said, Mary, Jesus has come to town. And Mary gets up and she runs to where Jesus is. And when she gets there, she tells Jesus the same thing that Martha told her. You know what, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. The Bible says that she fell down and she began to weep and she began to cry. She was hurt. Jesus saw how much she was hurting. Notice what happened here. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Isn't that interesting? Jesus knew that he would die. Yet he didn't go immediately. But when Mary comes and she says the same thing, she's so hurt. And you know what? Jesus starts, saw her weeping. And, and as he saw her weeping, he was so moved by her weeping. What this tells us, church, is that God is not removed from how you feel. When you face difficult situations, God is not unmoved from that. God can relate to how you feel. It's not that he's up here and, 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 and he's just a God who sits high and looks low. No, he can relate to what you are experiencing, what you go through, the situations and the circumstances in your life. And when he saw how hurt she was about what she had experienced, he was troubled in his spirit. And the Bible says, look at this, Jesus So moved by her emotions and by her pain, by her grief. And he knew what was about to happen. But yet, although he knew it, he still began to weep. Although he knew the outcome, although he knew the solution, he still began to cry. He still began to weep. Why? It's because he could relate to what she was experiencing. He could relate to what she was going through. And notice this. Then the Jews who saw him weeping, they said what we would say, wow, see how he loved him? So they began to say, you know what, he did, really did love him. He really loved him. But, but notice there, you always got the naysayers in the crowd. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? What they are saying, what they're saying is, why didn't God do something about that? Why didn't he do something? The Bible says Jesus was moved and he went to the tomb. And as he went to the tomb, 
he said these words. He says, take away the stone. And as they took away the stone, notice what Martha says. Martha says, but Lord, there's a bad odor. And it's kind of like she's like taking it and just like, you weren't here when he died. You didn't come to the funeral. You didn't send us message or word. We just waited and waited and waited. Now it's the fourth day. The fourth day, this is very significant. Because immediately uh, uh, when someone dies, it, they're affected on the inside. But on the fourth day, you can begin to see visibly the decaying of the body. The decomposition. And so there was no hope. See, if Jesus would have shown up, at the moment that he had just died, then, well, you know, he just missed a couple of breaths. There's no miracle. If he would have showed up, uh, uh, but see, it's by this time, the people are saying, you know what, uh, Mary and Martha, I know that, that you um, were believing and waiting for Jesus, but he hasn't shown up and he's dead. We have got to bury him. And they buried him. Now, Jesus comes and he says, uh, roll the stone away. And Mary, uh, Martha says, wait a minute, he's been dead four days. And Jesus says this, did I not tell you that if you what? Believe, you will see the... He makes her a promise, which is the same promise that he makes to us. That if we will believe that we will see the glory of God. Come on, would you repeat that with me? If I believe, I will see the glory of God. <laughs> he says, no, I already told you we had that conversation. That if you believe, you're going to see the glory of God. And notice this, so they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, now this, this is kind of what Jesus did. Jesus kind of turns and he says, you know, Father God, I, we know what's about to happen. And, and Father God, I, I know that you, you always hear me. I, don't, I know that I don't really have to go through what I'm going through right now, but, but I'm doing this for their sake. I'm doing this so that they can know the relationship that we have and how much uh, this relationship means to you. The relationship that they have to me means to you. So he turns around and he says, let's do this. He says, Father, I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here. That they may what? That you sent me. So Jesus is all about you. Yes. And so I did this. I talked to you the way I talked to you. Because I want you to know the relationship that we have. And I want them to see that that same relationship that, they ha that I have with you, they can have with me. And the Bible says that he tells them that I've done this so that they may believe. Lazarus, 
Now, they'd never seen anything like this before. They didn't even expect what was about to happen to happen. But as Jesus came and as they removed uh, the stone, Jesus spoke a word and he says, Lazarus, come out. And the Bible says that the dead man came out his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Look, they, their minds were blown. They had never seen anything like this before. This man had not been dead for a minute or, or, or an hour or a day. This man had been dead for four days. Not only had he, had he been dead, but he had been put in a tomb wrapped for burial. And if he wasn't dead after four days... Because of the 75 to 100 pounds of anointing and wrap, that he would be dead. And so they had not seen anything like this before. They were not expecting it. But when he said, Lazarus, come forth, the Bible says he came out. And as he came out, he still had that wrapping all over him. But he's walking. And it looked like he was still dead, but his motions let us know that he was alive. And Jesus said, take those, go back, take those clothes, uh, 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 grave clothes off him and let him go. Why did Jesus tell them to take the grave clothes off and let him go? Why? Because people were like, I ain't touching him. I don't know what just happened here. But I don't want any part of that. Notice this next verse here. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. I bet they did. I bet they did believe. They believed in him. They believed in him. And so, church, one of the things that we see here is that the question that we ask ourselves so often, why don't God do something about that? Why don't God do something about that? See, God didn't do something initially, and it was not because he did not love them. It was not because he did not care about them. And so we've got to recognize that uh, when we are in the waiting room and we're expecting God to do something, that if he doesn't do it right away, it does not mean that he doesn't care about you. If he doesn't do it in your time frame, it does not mean that he does not love you. If he doesn't do it immediately in the way that you want him to do, it does not mean that he's not paying attention to what you're experiencing. And just as he weeped with Mary, that he's weeping with you. Just as he felt her pain, he feels your pain. And so when we sit and we ask the question, why don't God do something about that? Why don't God do something about that? The real answer is we don't know. But what we do know is that we do know that he can. We do know that sometimes he waits. We do know that we can trust him while we're waiting. So when you say, why doesn't God do something about that? I don't know, but I do know he can. 
I do know that sometimes he waits. And I do know that I can trust him while I'm waiting. Why doesn't God do something about your financial condition? I don't know. But I do know that he can. I do know that, that sometimes he waits. And I do know that you can trust him while you're waiting. Why doesn't God do something about your promotion? Why doesn't he do something about the relationship? I don't know, but I do know that he can. I do know that sometimes he waits. And I do know that you can trust him while you're waiting. Why doesn't God do something about that? Hallelujah. Glory to God. He can. Why doesn't he heal me right away? I don't know, but he can. Sometimes he waits. You can trust him while you're waiting. Why? Because there's a promise that God has made you. There's a promise he's 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 made me. And what is that promise? If you believe, you will see the glory of God. Oh, hallelujah. If you believe, you'll see the glory. 